Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we recap all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies up until Infinity War. I am your host, Jay Christie, joined, as always, with my two illustrious friends and panelists, Anthony Canton III. Anthony, how you doing? I really appreciate you calling me illustrious. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate it. Let's get this party started. And uh, Jerome Chang. Jerome? We're friends. That's so awesome, man. Uh, I'm super thrilled. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, super happy to be here. Um, really pumped about this one. And uh, because we're in we're in phase two and we're assembling, uh, we're joined by a guest today. We're joined by someone who is near and dear to my heart because uh, he's been my roommate for almost three years now. Uh, McKay Gilder. McKay, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jake. You're near and dear to my heart, too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're here... This is so appropriate for this particular yes, movie, On the Love Around. It is. Because uh, we're here to talk about, uh, as you can tell by the title, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, what a film. Uh, I, I, me and McKay watched it last night. And something I just want to say at the top is how nuts it is that that this movie did so well and, like, worked. Oh you know God. what I mean? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. like, can we break down everything that it had, like, going in? It was completely unknown yep. uh, characters, I would say. Yep. Same here uh, for me, which is rare for a, me. Um, I, I think people forget that at this moment, Chris Pratt isn't a movie star. Yeah, what I was right. saying is Chris Pratt, uh, by the way, I think I put it to McKay, was Chris Pratt is fifth build on an Underwatch sitcom. Like, he's yeah. no one. <laughs> he's no one and i mean like i'm a huge parks and recreation fan so i was Me all too. in for well andy dwyer oh for sure i but like think about it not even just on that but they made this movie with vin diesel bradley cooper meryl streep like no glenn close like, glenn close we're gonna glenn ride close. with close, glenn you're close. confusing old glenn, white oh, women jeez why did i say meryl streep my bad yes glenn close um but yeah like it was I, I, to me. It was Marvel at the drunkest of their powers. Yeah, <laughs> just we can pull off anything. <laughs> That's definitely a good way to put it. You know, it's funny because as somebody who knows the comic book universe specifically, Marvel to that extent did not know shit about the Guardians of the Galaxy. So when I see this film, and I have absolutely no expectations when I originally saw the film, and I, I remember seeing it and just like it was so good in all types of aspects it hits all of the notes from comedy to emotional resonance you got some infinity stone stuff in there and it's just a perfect story and i love the theme of 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 like broken families and families coming together in a type of way and it just amazing performances and overall just an amazing film yeah. yeah, I think the only thing I really knew about it going in was that was like Jack Kirby's influence with the cosmic comic kind of thing with the, mm-hmm. you know, space comic. He had a very big influence on a lot of those. But again, that's more I knew that more in relation to Thor and, and like I'd heard Guardians mentioned. But I, I, it's insane how successful it is with all the themes it tries to pull off to it, it. It bites off so much and it like chews it so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that it definitely is a case of because um, uh, apparently, like they were, they considered doing a Guardians film way back in like 2010. Um, that's when they first started thinking about it, and I guess, 
I guess Kevin Feige just sort of thought it was a good, good characters and good story, and he wasn't wrong. Like, I think that that's just a case of, like, like oh, there's good material here. Just because it's not popular doesn't mean that uh, that he can't work. And also, very clearly, James Gunn, the right, right, co-writer and director, had such a special relationship to it that, like, uh-huh. that yeah. like yeah, even though it was a comic that no one read, he read it, and that's all that really matters. Um so, yeah, I want to get you guys' reactions when you first saw it, because I imagine there was some surprise. Anthony, what was yours? Um, I was just, I was, I was stunned. I was stunned at how good this was. And, and just the amazing, like, you know, Marvel films have their comedy, but the way that they were able to weave in all of the comedy with the actual kind of serious stuff when it comes to Peter Quill, his relationship with his, his mom, and obviously Gamora with her relationship with Nebula and Thanos and Drax, obviously his situation with, uh, his, his, uh, his wife and child being killed and mixing all of that kind of turning it into a chase after at first it's a, like a heist movie when they're trying (laughs) to go after the orb and infinity stone. And then it becomes, it becomes like a, uh, almost like a, a buddy comedy type of film for a little bit. And then it becomes a superhero film towards the end. And still, even in the greatest, uh, uh, superhero uh, scene, I would say one of the funniest and greatest scenes, which I'll get into for favorite scene, we still have comedy in it, which just like overall, it hit every single note, as I I said previously, and I was just, I was stunned because I had no expectations for this movie at all. Jerome? Um, To date, and maybe still right now, uh, it's my favorite group of characters. By far. It's the most likable group. Um, and I think I knew going in that it would be funny, it'd be goofy, but I just didn't... I was completely thrown by how much I care about these characters by the end of it. Like, how much uh, for what was advertised as being this big, goofy, weird space movie, uh, they decided to give these characters real backgrounds and yeah. make you, like, just, like I said, care about them in the end. Uh, I already touched upon it earlier, um crazy what how they pulled it off uh the soundtrack which was super fun at a time where it didn't feel as much of a gimmick as it might feel right now just because it felt like this was a little bit of the blueprint in a comic book movie um it's it's weird it's so weird uh you mentioned james gunn and I, i think this is one of those things where yeah let your let your director get weird with it let your director just go full out with it and you could see the benefit and it doesn't happen every time in marvel so it's really cool that it happens in this one uh, McKay. Yeah, I just think it's it's crazy how well this movie pulls things off. You know, I was when I was watching it last night. I remember thinking, uh, seeing Gamora and and Star Lord fighting at the beginning. I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever be able to believe they're friends. Like, I don't remember this being so so harsh. And then at, <laughs> towards the end, I was like, damn, they really they did that. They they made these characters who seem like they hate each other seemed like the best of friends and a true family at the end and really set up that theme for guardians too and it's it's so it, it's just so good so well so well done and I, I totally agree about the soundtrack too like it totally could feel gimmicky but it feels very necessary and very much a part of like the character and mm-hmm. that the fight scene at the end with the the dancing is so oh, good man. it's so good <laughs> so tremendous <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just think that it's, um, 
the 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 you guys you guys touched on the stuff with the family and stuff like that because so many movies have this where it's like a team up movie and by the end of it they're family and you're like okay I don't really believe you but the fact you do believe it by the end of it is just it's incredible like especially because they're so like and I I mean talk about Star Lord and Gamora being mad at each other Drax literally blames Gamora for uh. His mother, his wife and child being murdered, and mm-hmm. they're friends by the end of it. And you're like, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> Everything is earned, which yeah. is so great. Yes, yes. Try uh, fire. Let's actually talk a little bit about the soundtrack because I think that it um it's definitely one of the most important things. Um, I'm not gonna ask what your favorite song on it is, but do you have like a particularly favorite? Mo- does anyone have a particularly favorite moment with the music, like how the music fits in? Wow, there's so many different ones. Like, I I'd argue, and it's so funny to say this, that after the movie's over, with a uh, little baby baby Groot dancing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. The, <laughs> to to, uh, <laughs> to give me one more chance, that was uh that was pretty funny. But you can, it goes through right before that. Um, ain't no mountain high enough. Mm-hmm. That was a great way to end the film, and I felt like all the songs were just. It was just perfect, and there's all like it, it gave you not only this kind of old school vibe, but it was just like uh, this movie made you feel good. It was a it was a feel yeah. good movie. Um, about your uh, your scene, Anthony. I think one thing that uh, I really thought this time around is Groot dying, or what was perceived oh, to be dying. Oh, good earlier. thing you brought that up. It's like the fact that he comes back at the end. Usually, in most movies, will feel like a cop out. But I fall for this one so hard. I'm so happy and so thrilled at the end of it. Yeah. And like, I don't even feel cheated out of that moment earlier. That's mm-hmm. like we would, we just went through Thor uh, Dark World and we all feel che- cheated by Loki showing up at the end. But it's the entire opposite here. I love the moment. Yeah. Um, McKay, do you have one? Because I, yeah, I do have yeah. one. I think, I think the dancing scene in the very beginning... It sets the that. tone so perfectly for what the movie's going to be and, and how it, you know, there's so many great aspects of the way this movie opens. Like, the abduction scene's great. I'll talk about that later. But the, <laughs> the dancing scene just sets, you, you like, know who Star-Lord is at, in that mm-hmm. moment. Like, with basically no dialogue, you know who he is. And Chris Pratt just nails the scene of the dancing, and it's so visually stunning. Ah, no, I, I think it's a great way to, to start out the... To really kick off the movie, yeah, mine just because it's so iconic is the the hallway scene where they're all walking down. Um, Oh, it's Cherry Bomb. Uh, yeah, that's just that one's so good. It's so uh, also like that's that's definitely I I, it like tonally that song is probably the most different from the rest of them because there's some Mm -hmm. are super poppy, but like that uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny because although that's that seems what's kind of when. When I do think of this movie, my first thought is immediately, ah, <laughs> like, I feel like that's the most iconic song. So, like, until I already watched it last night, I forgot. For some reason, my mind thought that hooked out a feeling was in that scene because I know those, because that's like a super iconic mm-hmm. scene. That's really, no, it's not. Um, but yeah, uh, those, those, those that bit. the effectiveness of the trailer. Yeah, um, yeah, that trailer was great. Uh, I, I, if, you, if any of you haven't, and I'm talking for the listeners too, seeing the uh yeah. snl sketch 
of oh, yes. uh, I, yeah. the new Marvel oh, movie ideas. And it basically, it's made the idea of it was, since Guardians of the Galaxy, a movie that, with no characters no one knew, that's about stuff that's kind of silly, was really successful. <laughs> Marvel's just making all these different movies, and it was basically just recreating the hallway scene from the trailer with different things. <laughs> like, so one good. of them's like, a 25 shopping carts. <laughs> and then you see 25 shopping carts. <laughs> good. It's so good. I remember it. Yeah. Um, it, it. Like, it was entirely to what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. Where it just felt Marvel was drunk on power. They can do whatever they want. Like, that's that skit right there. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, the sketch works because the truth to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to start off with... Uh, we talk about how usually you do favorite not-superhero character. Um, I actually think we can do both this time, to be honest with you, because I forgot how yes. many... Non guardian scouts are, but let's go first with favorite guardian. Uh, McKay, who's your favorite guardian of the galaxy? Dude, it's gotta be Groot. Groot is like, I, I don't know, somehow, some the way he, like, I, I care so much about Groot that, and he, like, he doesn't have lines, he just says his name. Like, that's amazing. And, and the way he's <laughs> like, the voice acting is actually surprisingly good. Like, the, the inflection, I think, really works. And I don't know. I, I just love Groot so much, and it's such like a touching moment at the end. And you know, they set it up for the We Are Groot to be <clears throat> so effective. And I think that they did so much with so little. Groot's got to be my favorite. Yeah, I, the first time I saw it, I definitely. Uh, I, I I think it was only a single tier, but the We Are Groot did elicit a tier. Yeah, Anthony? No, no, definitely. Well, you you know, it's funny because I originally was like each time i've seen this movie it's like yeah star lord star lord star lord but uh -huh. each time i watch all of these guardians movies it's drax man yeah he's so yes, the one-liners the lack of self-awareness and it's just so off kilter and funny at the same time and it's funny because for such a shallow character there was a depth to him that was funny and it resonated with a me. wwe wrestler too <laughs> i know dave batista <laughs> yeah which yes. is like which is wild in itself. Like to give you a, to give you an example, this is like one of my throwaway honorable mention lines. But when they're on their way to trying to fight Ronan towards the end of the movie, mm -hmm. Drax is saying, "I want you all to know that I am grateful for your acceptance after my blunders. It is pleasing to once again have friends. You, Quill, are my friend. Thanks. This dumb tree, he is my friend." And this green horse, he Oh, you must stop! And that's just the reminder that, like, throughout the film, he's just too much. Like, when Peter Quill says, like, this guy's a th thesaurus, and he's like, Do not ever call me a thesaurus. Just stuff like that. And he just dropped them in throughout the movie, and he's just really funny. And for somebody who's going through so much pain dealing with the loss of his wife and daughter, he right. found a way to just be hilarious throughout the film. So I'm going with Drax. Um, I'm just going to echo Anthony's point. Uh, point. I'm just going to give him a thumbs up for over here and tell him metaphor. Uh, <laughs> guys, I actually, I um, my favorite guardian and... Um, I don't know if this was my on my first viewing, but definitely this viewing. I love Rocket Raccoon, like especially the thing. There's I, no wrong answer. To the, this. Yes, the yeah. reason I get, I think I love him so much is, and I I think it's I really I, this movie gave me a super big amount of respect for Bradley Cooper because he's very clearly getting paid a ton of money to do a voice acting role, and mm -hmm. they would have been. F 
they were probably paying for him just to make Rocket Raccoon sound like Bradley Cooper. But he is if someone didn't tell me that was Bradley Cooper, I probably wouldn't you assume it was. No. Yeah, and so tell. for yeah, an right. A-list actor who's on, is playing like the fourth build character in this movie to put in the effort to come up with a completely different voice, like that's that's I respect that a ton because I guarantee you most people would not do that if they if the Brinks truck that was probably put in front of his mm-hmm. house was given to them. But he just that voice has such a. Um, such it's such a character filled it's i don't know and he has so many great lines uh and i think he's just he i I think the reason i like him so much is because even though Groot yes is like a tree person Mm -hmm. i think rocket raccoon is of all if if you were to be like explaining why guardians is a silly idea you would say and there's a freaking raccoon who has guns and shoots people and like that like that's the dumbest <laughs> thing about guardians and the fact that he's also a, such a he's a powerful character and his relationship with Groot is like the most moving in my opinion in the movie um yeah i don't know i think it's uh I think he's really genuinely spe- a special character when, once again, he is a raccoon who shoots guns, um, uh, <laughs> which is so dumb. Speaking about voice work, have you guys seen the behind-the-scenes feature with Vin Diesel doing yes. Groot? No, I haven't. I'd like to. You have to watch it because it just breaks down him doing all the different versions of I Am Groot, him doing it in different languages. At one point, he's on stilts to get into character. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to watch it. It is the most Vin diesel of things. Yeah. Um, and yeah. apparently, I think, I I, if I remember correctly, they recorded it like it was the first work Vin Diesel did after Paul Walker died. So, right. uh, yeah, uh, I think that that's it's super... Like it's Vin Diesel definitely put in a lot... Well, he... Di- Oh, in terms of putting an effort where it's not necessary, like they didn't—they honestly didn't even need to cast. They could have just gotten like some schmo off the street to do "I Am Groot." And oh, yeah. when I when when I first heard people talking about how Vin Diesel does it, I'm like, oh, that's like my first thought was like, why did they do that? Like they probably there probably is someone who's more talented at it. Like my first thought was like, that feels like stunt casting. that's unnecessary. Why not get like a no name who's super good at it? But it's like, oh, Vin Diesel uh-huh. knocked it out of the park. Um, but anyway. 100%. Guys, who is your? Because uh, once again, this movie has a ton of characters. Um, yeah, yeah. So, who, guys, is your favorite non-superhero character? Uh, I'll start with you, Jerome. Um, I don't have his name, but John C. Riley. Yeah. In it. Uh, Roman. Oh, Roman Day. Day. Roman Day. Thank you. Um, he's fantastic in it, especially just because of the uh, last part um, when he receives a message mm-hmm. and then uh, and he delivers the line. I don't know that I believe anyone's 100% a dick, man. <laughs> just, I, there's something about him. Uh, I, it's also a specific thing that I enjoy John C. Riley in almost any role he's in. Uh, but he's great. Uh, Yondu. Yondu's fantastic. I would. I'm almost wanted to save it because he's even better by the time it gets to the sequel, which I'll save it for then. But uh, yeah, those are two of mine. Anthony? In his Nebula? Uh, mainly because... In a movie filled with a lot of lighthearted comedy type of stuff, I think she did a really good job of just being like dark and almost like a sadist in a sense. And you could see the bitterness and jealousy towards Gamora because it's very clear that Thanos uh, favors Gamora 
mm-hmm. as a, as an adopted child. So she plays on that throughout the film. So her arc actually is an interesting one starting there and going forward to uh, Guardians 2. So I, I really liked her performance in, in this as a as the the female villain of the film. McKay? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Romante as well. It's it's crazy to me that John C. Riley is in this movie and <laughs> he he nails it, you know? He nails that role so perfectly. And I still, you know, at the very end when he says something about his family, I think it's like you saved my family and then we see him with his family. That's really touching yes. because we like this character and he also manages to deliver the what would be a, a pretty boring expositional opening of all introdu- introduction of all the characters, he manages to deliver it pretty well, I think, in a way that's not boring or, or cliched. So yeah, I think that character is just so good. And, I mean, Yandu obviously is great, but I think Yandu is so much better in the second movie. Like, yes, I, yes. I was talking about this with Jake. I think Yandu should get the award for most improved um, character yeah. in terms of from movie to movie. But, yeah, so I, I definitely go with uh, Romante. Uh, yeah, I, I want to go with him, too. I, I considered going with The Collector just to pick someone different. But, uh, yeah, John C. Riley is so good in this. Once again, I don't know why he... I mean, he's so good in it. And I only can imagine the reason he did it is because the, he thought the script was funny. Because he definitely <laughs> is... A, I feel like he's a bigger actor than the part. But he's so good in what he has. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm really glad he was cast. Even though, once again, it was kind of an undercasting. Um... Uh, I'm gonna move to a uh, topic uh, that uh, I might I might upset some people when it comes to me. But guys, what are some of your problems with this movie or like uh, mess ups that you noticed, uh, Anthony? The only like really thing, and I chose to ignore a lot of the uh, a, a few of the goofs of this movie because if you really think about it, it's a it's a movie about about space and aliens and a talking raccoon so and a and a humanoid plant so it's like do you want to get too into crazy mistakes the only one that <laughs> was the only one that was really noticeable towards the end was uh, while they are trying to hold off Ronin's ship rocket tells the nova corp that the city has been evacuated but after the ship crashes there's a huge crowd around them before yeah. the final fight starts mm. so mm. that's that's the one i'll use um, what was I gonna say, uh, Jerome? Uh, one line that I just really enjoyed was uh, when Gamora talks about how filthy the ship is, and then, uh, and then Star Lord uh, mentions, uh, if we put a black light to this, uh, this would be a Jas- Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> um, it's funny. I don't see how Rocket Raccoon would get that reference when he says you have. I, I honestly, I think that. Uh... If I were to take it, I, I've, I've noticed that too. My, my actually bigger problem with the line is I don't know if Peter Quill would have known who Jackson Pollock was but by the time he Fair. left Earth. I mean, I probably point. knew who he was when I was 10, but I'm also, like, the worst, so... Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing... No, but no, but what I was going to say is I think just context, like, to be frank, like, this would look like an X painting. Like, I think... I can't imagine he doesn't get what he means by that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a very nitpicky thing. For sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing, I think the Nova Corps has established that they're probably way in over their head when it came to the attack on their city. That I don't see how they're the best option to defend the Infinity Stone afterward. Mm, good point. That's all. McKay? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed a couple things. Okay. Uh, there's one that had been talked about for, before. Is like, how does he get batteries for his cassette player? Uh, mm. Which I think is a pretty, <laughs> pretty good question. 
Uh, also, in the in the prison scene, the guys come up to fire those things at the window, but they fire at each individual window, which doesn't make any sense. And then they also wait until like a count of three, which doesn't really make sense to me. Um, and then count of three is always a problem in, in anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just don't understand it. Uh, yeah. Then when they're on the when they're on nowhere, how does Groot know where Drax was drowning or that Drax was drowning? That doesn't no. make any sense to me. Yeah, and that's... then the biggest thing to me, and I, t- I mentioned this to Jake last night, but like, why is Gamora all of a sudden in a skirt at the end of the movie? She's been wearing pants the whole movie. <laughs> and just randomly she's in a skirt. Like, what? It doesn't make you know, any sense. You know, I just realized something. Another one, since you speaking of Gamora, when Gamora uh up her ship and she's uh and then Peter goes to save her. I, I tell you what, Peter really survived a pretty long time in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, for sure. I guess the demigod argument yeah. could be added in that case. Yeah, I guess so. I would go that. I, that's um, what, yeah. I actually, look watching it again this time, I assumed that that's what, what the point was. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my problems, um, I, I'm just going to first say logistical problem of, so obviously Gamora gets arrested when she's um, st- like tracking down Peter, right? But like, how, what was her plan for getting the orb that didn't involve her getting arrested? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it not like, like, yeah, obviously she got arrested in part because there was way. such yeah. a big scene. But, like, maybe, maybe she could have fought it away from him and not gotten arrested. But it, getting arrested wasn't completely out of the question if you're just, you know, ha- having a street fight. Like, I, I'm kind of confused as to what her... Um, her whole thing was, um, but also my, in terms of problems, now, this is gonna get both of you guys, Anthony might get a little incensed, I think that, I, I, I think, and I love, I love her on Doctor Who, and so I was really, I think Karen Gillan is so bad in this movie, I think that she was so miscast, (laughs) like, I think her voice, her voice, her voice to me sounds like not not just the android bits but like the depth that she has on it it sounds like like a small child trying to a small girl trying to impersonate an adult woman like it sounds like she's like i think that this is it's like i I, and i I, once again i like her and other stuff but it just Mm -hmm. i i just i i'm so unconvinced by her and i'm taken out of scenes that she's in um and also, I'm not going to elaborate on it that much because I really don't have much to say about it. But I just, I actually disagree with you guys. I don't think Dave Bautista is a good actor in this movie. Like, I think he's just, I think his lines, maybe maybe I'm just missing the deadpanness of it, but I think mm-hmm. some of his, the lines where he's not doing deadpan humor, I just don't believe his him that much. Um, I, I, say, I would say good actor based on what I expected out of him. Like, right. I, I think he I, meant, I meant to that. play it that, that he, way. Yeah. Like the way that he played the character, it 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 plays perfectly in the sense that I think to Jerome's point, I think he played it in a sense that we weren't gonna be expecting anything. So like the way he just like deadpan stuff, and then also even yeah, you could say like the emotional lines to speaking about his uh, dead family probably didn't maybe didn't hit home with you, but I. I was pr- I felt pretty good about it, so that's one I guess we'll we'll agree to disagree on. Yeah, I think it's almost like a, a kind of a Vulcan problem, right? Sometimes when people play Vulcans, it's hard to tell <laughs> if they're bad actors or if that's what they're going for. Yeah, I think it's like a right, similar right. problem where there's like not a I, I ton like of emotion, analogy. yeah. So it's hard to tell, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I I think I liked it more the first time I watched it, and the second time I watched it, I was like, I don't know, the bit kind of runs a little dry, but. I think I'm, I don't think it's as bad as I, think I still Jake enjoyed does. it on this viewing. That's I great. Say, yeah, 
I, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll fully cop to that's just a personally. I mean, the Nebula thing, I yeah. do feel very strongly about. Specifically because, like... I don't think she was used well, to be honest. Yeah, I uh, think that... I think it's just... It, it's a weird... It's a both combination of weird casting and weird use. Like, it's just... I don't know. I, it's, mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying, Anthony, about, like, she adds the darkness to it. But I almost feel like it's... It comes off as petulance in a lot of scenes, and I don't think that that's what they were going for. Um, mm-hmm. I, it I th- might be though. I actually, I guess, I don't know. Petulant. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, because um, she was. It was clear that she was bitter, jealous, and uh, like a little child. Yes, yeah, like annoyed mm-hmm. the the fact that Thanos like loved Gamora regardless, and Gamora was actually betraying uh, Thanos at the sa- and Ronan at the same time, and with her knowing this, and still like. I mean, we'll go into the, the. I'm sure we'll go into it deeper in Guardians Two and and mm-hmm. other movies. Like her story is like she's always being overlooked, and in the comic book, she's really, really overlooked to the point where book she turns uh, Thanos turns her into a freaking zombie. So it's like, oh, okay. so they're they're like I understand. I could I could see your point, Jake, and and maybe expecting some more, and maybe to your point, Jerome, she was maybe a little bit misused, but. At the same time, like knowing what kind of know, reading up on the character and kind of understanding what she went through, I get where she was trying, where she was coming from. Yeah, that's fair. fair. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, let's just keep on rolling yeah. and go to uh, favorite scene. Uh, McKay, what was your favorite scene in this film? It's it's tough to pick one, but the one that I think I enjoyed the most was when when they're in the kiln, the prison. And Rocket's describing the plan, and Groot's just walking behind them, starting it. <laughs> it's so funny, and so you know exactly where it's going, but it's still like really entertaining. And the rest of the scene's really good and and well shot, and uh, I think really well paced. That's something I say about the movie as a whole. It's, it's I forgot how well paced the movie is, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that's probably my favorite scene. Um, I'm just gonna back, since that's mine. I mean, I would say that uh, my favorite scene is the whole prison escape scene from that until they yes. get out. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's both because it also serves as like the coming together bit with them and Drax. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it has so many great character bits. Like the bit with the leg is yes. is so funny, and it's also an awesome action sequence that it's. I don't know. It's it definitely is the if I had to show someone a scene of this movie to say like this is a movie that blends action and comedy really well, that would be the one I showed them. Uh, anyway, Jerome. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll just add on to that because oh, the prison break okay. is my favorite scene. Yeah, um, the prison break is my favorite scene. Uh, I was you mentioned Rocket Raccoon earlier, and I I was saving it for this just because uh, I just wanted to talk about <laughs> the prosthetic leg. And just how um, smart he is in terms of putting all the devices together. And watching it now, knowing Infinity War is coming out, it's just uh, two thoughts. We're going to have Tony Stark, Rocket Raccoon, Shuri, Bruce Banner, Peter Parker all together. Like, as great minds all together. And I just, like, can't wait to see what happens. That's like, really I, fun. I know um, it seems like there a lot of them are separated for the moment. But at some point, there's going to be some sort of crossover, and I can't wait. Also, I really want to figure out how Raccoon convinces everyone to use uh bucky's arm in infinity war i just i need to know how that happens <laughs> so, yeah it's good yeah, it's definitely going to happen <laughs> it's definitely going to happen but um no no it's like you guys said it it hits all the characters perfectly um if you like you said if you need to summarize the whole movie in one scene this is it right here 
in terms of capturing everything that we like about it. Characters, comedy, action, all of it, um, pacing. Uh, it's, yeah, it's the best thing. Uh, Anthony? Hey, I mean, there's a lot of things in this movie. Yep. But I thought the climax was so well done. Uh, the, just, just the idea of of like everything has fallen apart Groot sacrifices himself and mm-hmm. Ronan's about to kill everybody with the infinity stone and Peter really goes into the ooh child things are gonna get easier and then it's just he gets into that and Ronan with the deadpan what are you doing it's like <laughs> what well like, <laughs> you don't Good. see this in movie you don't see this in superhero films it's so random so like like that's that whole scene, um, which will play into my favorite line uh, mm-hmm. when we get to it. But that whole scene was emblematic of what from from the time that the, the dance off to the Infinity Stone grab to them coming together to defeat Ronan. I thought it was just a great capper for which was a great movie on all levels. Yeah, I, um, I also, just to add to that, I think. One of my biggest problems with most superhero movies is how like anticlimactic the final scene is, or how yes. it's just like. And I and I think they did a great job in this one of the the last fight scene is really compelling, and I I, I really feel attached to the characters in it, and it doesn't feel just like, oh, we need a big fight at the end, let's throw this together. It feels like, oh, this is they're they're about to destroy this whole planet. It's crazy yeah. how many times it feels like the heroes are going to lose in this movie. Like mm-hmm. it, there's so many times where I'm just like, oh my god! Like, how are they going to get out of this? You know? And yeah. I think they do a great job of building that tension. Absolutely. How do you guys feel about Ronan in this? He's okay. I, I've been trying to figure out my thoughts. He's okay. He's I, right. I, I wish, uh, I wish they let Lee Pace use more of his accent. Or does Lee Pace not have an accent? Is Lee Pace American? I forget. I should know this off the top of my head. Um, if he's, Amer- I, if he's American, I thought, I he, he is American, yeah. in which case they should have cast a British actor. Because I want my Ronan to have uh-huh. a very thick British accent. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah was- I think I think he's not the worst example of a superhero villain. My least favorite superhero villain is the the bad good guy. Do you know what I mean? Like like an Iron Man. That, the fact that it's just a bad Iron Man. Or yeah. it's a common thing in The Flash, mm, okay, where it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah. bad speed. Yeah. I dislike that, and I'm glad that this movie wasn't just, like, a bad group of funny guys. You I almost, I mean? I almost right, wish right. that there was more uh, backstory with um, with the, the him, like, his like extremist sect. Because, I mean, talk about, like, something that's ripe for an allegory. Not, like, not, I'm not saying they need to do, like, a full-on allegory about, like, religious <laughs> extremism on Earth. But, like, there's definitely interesting stuff about how he, like, what, how did he break off from the Kree? Who is he? Yada, yada, yada. That I right, think, right, like, right, you don't right. need, I don't need a ton of it, but I would just, I thought, I think it would be interesting, like, what is this religion that, like, you know? Um, and I think that, because uh, I think the reason he's not super compelling is more than anything, just because we don't know anything about him, right? Like, he's... Right. Fair. Um, but yeah. Well, one thing I thought you would appreciate about him, Jake, just because I remember you uh, mentioning on a previous pod, is this is actually one of those villains that has no real personal connection to the... Yes. Um, to the group. Yes. And it, it's just like, he's just kind of an insane, extreme person that they have to deal with. Yeah, he's... Um, and he's a force to be reckoned with. The the, uh, the equivalent would be, like, if Iron Man were to fight, like, the head of Al-Qaeda. Like, that's, you know... Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I just... Ha- I remember having that thought uh, watching it this time around. I was like, oh, Jake might actually appreciate that side of it in that there's no force. 
he's the long lost brother of Star Lord or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, um. All right, guys. If we can move on, then I want to move on to uh, my it. favorite category. Uh, and I'll go first on it just because the light was already mentioned, and then so I'll just get through it, and then I'll give an honorable mention just so I can embed a quote here for my bit. Uh, <laughs> because I'm gonna embed it earlier. Uh, favorite line. Um, my favorite line. Let me get the exact lineup. Uh, it's when uh, Roman Day says he may be an a hole, but he's not quote a hundred percent a dick. Nova Prime. Yes. Do you believe him? And then he says, well, I don't know if there's anyone who's 100% a dick, which that line, I'm so glad John C. Riley was getting, because I can't think of any act. I'm serious, because I love John. John C. Riley is in my favorite movie of all time, Tally Goodnight's the Bell to Ricky Bobby. And so he's near and dear to my heart. Uh, And I, I remember when I first saw it, I actually, I don't know how I had this thought in quick enough time, but... I had the thought of when, when she said, do you believe him? My first thought was, you know, if this was a comedy, the response would be, I don't know if anyone's 100% a dick. Cause, but I'm like, but my, I'm like that, this movie is like, like a super movie. They wouldn't do that. And, <laughs> and uh, they do. But anyway, my, uh, the runner-up would be um, – actually, I don't want to steal for anyone else, so I'll let everyone – I think because I would guess someone else probably picked this as a favorite line. So uh, if no one says it, I'll say it at the end of it. McKay, what's your favorite line? Okay, so I'm going to give an honorable mention first. So the honorable... I knew Jake was going to pick that one. Anyway, my honorable mention was... <laughs> Why didn't ask to get me? Like, that whole monologue is so oh, effective, yeah. and Bradley yeah. Cooper knocks it out of the park. He, he does it so well. He's so good about it. And then, so my favorite line is, is after the really intense scene with Drax in the prison, and he goes... I like your knife. I'm keeping it. That was my favorite knife. Like, so sad. It made me laugh so hard when I originally saw it. And it was actually one of the only lines I remembered before watching it again. So I got to pick that one as my favorite line. It's so well delivered and it break, it cuts the tension so well and really shows what's so good about this that movie. So, uh, Anthony? Honorable mention line, and they're both towards the end. Obviously, Groot sacrifices himself. Rocket tells him, No, Groot! I can't. You'll die. Why are you doing this? Why? And then Groot uh, wipes away Rocket's tears with a thin branch, and Groot just says, We are Groot. And, and that was just that was just great. Um, because it's funny that the dude says, I, I am Groot the entire film, and then you go to, We are Groot. You get it's like those three words gives you that that type of feeling in just three words you could get that type of emotional resonance to the point where it's like you you really like you actually grow to love these characters and mm-hmm. enjoy these characters to see Groot uh, actually kill himself and because as we find out later Groot literally did kill himself and mm-hmm. that's not the same Groot uh, going forward so that was my honorable mention obviously the end when Peter grabs the infinity stone and Gamora tells him the And it pans to Peter with his mother, and it kind of brings it full circle at the beginning of the film, where mm-hmm. a young Peter doesn't grab his mother's hand before she dies. And I thought that was great. In this instance, he he had to take Gamora's hand in order to save the galaxy. So he grabs her hand, Drax and Rocket do the same, and then Ronan's, you're mortal, how? And Peter quote with the best line. Set it yourself, bitch. 
We're the guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, yeah, go. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've already talked about it. Drax is my favorite. Uh, Guardian, uh, a line from him. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> uh, I, I love that line. Uh, I remember loving it the first time around when I, Drax is my favorite character. And this time around, I was just curious if it would be as funny and it still hit. Uh, one thing which I think is uh, very, um, like it helps sum up how great, how snarky this movie is and how full of heart it is, is for all the moments where everyone comes together, you have a point where Rocket goes to Traxton and says, Oh, boo-hoo-hoo, my wife and child are dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so dark. And to ha- and then, I mean, that's made all the better to hear. And I hope you could throw this in also, uh, Jake Groot's like, <gasps> point, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Um, I, I just, I think for all of it, uh, you, you never do forget for as, uh, heartwarming as they get at different points is that they're actually kind of rat bastards all of them and yep. that's what's so <laughs> great about it um yeah those okay are so i'm actually gonna say two lines from uh my which was my second favorite scene where they're all talking about like coming together and having a plan the first one mm-hmm. is uh i like um just because i love these two lines are just because i love bradley cooper's delivery of them when uh when peter starts about his ps12 percent of a plan and then there's an i am groot and then so what it's better than 11 percent. what the hell does that have to do with anything (laughs) (laughs) um people reacted to i am groot is great (laughs) yeah but then my my second favorite line this was very close to being my actual favorite line was it was uh after rocket stands up now i'm standing y'all happy we're all standing up now Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. That's all. And that's all Bradley Cooper delivered. Like that, because it's <laughs> that line is like, I, I I'm glad. I, I definitely feel like that's the type of line that would get cut out of a movie because it's like that's such. It adds nothing really. But uh, yeah, it's it's so funny. Um, I don't know, guys. Before we go to rankings, I just want to know if you guys have any final thoughts about things you want to say about this movie. I'm trying to think if there's any. Oh, duh, we, I missed a category. I missed a yes. I did miss a category. Uh, okay. Thank you, McKay. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, guys, how intrusive is Stanley's cameo uh, in this movie? Mikhail, I'll let you go first since you reminded me. Okay, you know what? I'm torn, right? Because one of the things you've said, Jake, is that if you can remember it, it's too intrusive. And this is one of the few movies I remember the Stanley yeah. cameo, but it's not that bad. No, it's not. It just it's... feels really unnecessary yeah. and, like, yeah. like, the, it's, like, they try to make it flow from, like, oh, look at this couple, look at this couple, look mm-hmm. at this couple, and it's like, okay, I get, but, like, there's no reason for Rocket to be doing it, so I, I'd give it, like, a solid three. <clears throat> a solid three is where, where I, I put it. Uh, Jerome? Um, yeah, uh, bonus points for not having him speak in this yep. so uh and also that bradley cooper calls him a class a prevert um, which is, <laughs> so in that sense in our could this fit the role of someone who may look like stanley uh <laughs> old dude hitting on young woman yeah i i'm for it i will give it a one i won't say it's intrusive at all it was a good use of stanley uh anthony i am giving it a three it's appropriate appropriate as uh, stanley normally is these days and um yeah so it's not really that intrusive but to mckay's point yeah a little bit unnecessary but i appreciate the fact that they try to make it flow because to see this really really old dude in space is kind of ridiculous uh yeah i'll give it like a two for the reasons you guys mentioned um i, I do love a class a prevert 
that's God. yes uh, <laughs> that that whole monologue from rocket is like a perfect introduction to him as a character but anyway <laughs> now do you guys have any final thoughts before we move on to rankings um i think we should talk a little bit about thanos oh uh, yes we up. should talk about thanos yeah. showing up uh um, anthony um yeah, so please. so anthony how many uh, infinity stones have we gotten so far we have the so we have seen the mind stone we have seen the space stone and now this is oh we've seen the ether which is the reality stone and now this uh, our stone so four down two to go uh as uh thanos shows up obviously he wants ronin to give him the uh the power stone but ronin takes it for himself uh we don't see thanos a lot in this movie just a little bit but just to give an idea, the way everybody speaks about him, they speak about him with fear. So yep. we have an idea that this uh, this looming mad titan is uh, is something to be reckoned with uh, going forward. But yep. it was nice to see him in this movie after that like brief little cameo um, in mm-hmm. Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I like, yeah, I like how his menace looms over everything. Uh, but I also like the scene where he does mention my favorite daughter, Gamora, because it just seems to give a little sense of humanity. Like he's this guy who has preferential treatment of his children. Um, something about it just seems like he might have more depth than just overpowering villains. Uh, but I also think that that's interesting. That. That's interesting. I think it actually kind of is like opposed by when she talks about what he did to her and her family yes like i met like i actually i actually took that as like more uh sadistic if that makes sense yeah like 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 oh yeah my favorite yes oh yeah the idea that he could feel that i think is interesting and definitely complicates his character yeah Yeah, i think um not necessarily in a sentimental sense but i think he feels some sort of familial like um like familial feeling toward her at least in the sense of like this is my daughter even though everyone technically like basically hates him Mm-hmm. But he has this kind of like it's almost like an arrogance or about him where it's just, you know, these are this is my family. These are my children, even though and he probably knows they all hate him, but he doesn't care. And it's something about that that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't have a ton of thoughts about Thanos. I just wanted to talk briefly about the collector because um, after I saw oh, after I saw Star Wars, The Last Jedi, I had to take that. I think that Benicio Del Toro should play a very specific big swing of a character that's 10th build in every movie. Like, he should play, like, the 10th character in every single movie. Because these are two examples where, like, both the Collector and his character in The Last Jedi are just, like, huge swings that, like, they probably didn't ask him to take in either. It's like, you can just play, you know, weird. But he's like, no, I'm going to play yeah. the strangest f***ing person in... Oh, this is Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm the strangest guy in the universe. Like... <laughs> I keep people in glass cages. I'm gonna play that, and he's just—it's—he's in it for less than like you think he's gonna be, but he's just uh-huh. so fascinating. And like, all I want to know is about him. Like, in the in he's so weird. The MCU does that really well with characters, where there are like so many characters that the MCU has, where you're like, I want them to make a movie about that guy. They don't ever have to, but like the fact that he can be on screen for so short is like, I need to see the collector again. Uh, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, he's fascinating. McKay, any final thoughts on anything? So I think one thing I would say is like to talk on your point about the collector. Marvel does it really well, and I think it's an interesting comparison with the DCEU. So like, I I would almost liken the collector to Jimmy Olsen, who kind of is a complete throwaway character in Batman v Superman, and people mm-hmm. really hated it. But like, people love the the collector, and it's they, it's just an interesting difference to see how how they do it. 
one of the other things I wanted to say is like, this is potentially the most visually stunning movie in the MCU. I had that note too. Yes. Especially compared to the rest of the MCU. So uh, the MCU has this like weird trend of, of color correction to make everything washed out and muddy. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure you guys saw it when you saw winter soldier, everything's kind of just meh. Nothing's Mm -hmm. like visually, there's not a lot of like good colors. It's just kind of eh. And this movie is like so against that. It's insane. Just the, yeah. the design of every of every aspect of it, even just like the random alien creatures are so well designed. Yeah. And like the, the alien people who live on these planets, like it, this feels like a connected galaxy and it, it, it is it's done so well. And it's such a rebuke of the, you know, muddiness of the rest of the MCU that I, I just think it's amazing. And I had I, I would the, the video editor in me would have been upset if I didn't make a comment about it. No, I'm entirely with you on that. Uh, I had that note here of just saying just some beautiful looking shots. I I didn't think of it, I think, the first few times around just because you get so locked in with the soundtrack, the writing, the comedy, everything. But just if you watched it, if you like turned the sound off, it is a beautiful movie to watch. And mm-hmm. it's not one that you see across, like you said, most of the Marvel films. Um, I think the only film I can think of in terms of ones we talked of to date is Baby Black Panther. Where mm-hmm. like things on the celest- um, ancestral plane, like that is beautiful, and that's right, color yeah. that you don't normally see in a lot of Marvel films. So I completely agree. Yeah, I think it's meant to be that way because obviously it's just the Guardians of the Galaxy are just a completely different entity than mm-hmm. anything that we've seen up to that point in the MCU. So I think it's it actually is a perfect contrast to everything that what we usually deal well i guess normal in a sense what we what we uh, deal with on earth as opposed to what's happening across the galaxy so it's a both of your guys point that's pretty you know what anthony like you can even compare it to other space movies you see and it's just there's so much more color and yes it's so vibrant i think that's fair yeah, even yeah. compared to like Thor Ragnarok, which I think is probably the second best at this, it's still mm-hmm. not as good at doing it as Guardians is. Like Guardians is no stunning. Like that, yes. nowhere is such a beautiful creation, and and the nebula it's in is so beautiful. It's 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 like nothing else in the MCU, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's uh, it's really beautiful to look at. In uh, it just it's there's, it has a joy to it where because I think a lot of space movies can feel like drab and uh empty um and for a movie that takes place in space it feels so full of life and even the planet xandar is that the name of the planet uh yeah um, yeah. yes like it's so um if obviously yeah it like looks a ton like earth which kind of is cheesy but like it it is such a bright warm place that like i feel like I also feel like the thing about, um, because what I complained about with Thor The Dark World was how, like, you don't feel like Asgard is a real place. Like, you don't feel for the people who live there because right. you don't see them. I feel like the stuff with, like, Rocket and all, like, you get, like, that if... Xanar feels super lived in. Um, yeah, yeah, And I think part of it is because it's open and bright and not, like... And they and they have close-up shots, not just, like, wide shots that are fully CGI. But I also mm-hmm. think it is, like, you do see pedestrians and they, you know... It's... It definitely, um... It, it achieves something that so many sci-fi movies fail miserably at, which is making you care about planets that are on Earth. Um, and I think it's it's ambitiousness with its colors, and it's, you know, I think it, I think that that helps. It makes it feel less fake. Um, right. But, yeah, uh, those are my final thoughts. Let's go on to rankings now. McKay, you've, you've, uh, you, you do know which ones you have to rank. I believe you do, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, 
up to it's this. It's up to Guardians plus Black plus Panthers. Black Panther. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so whenever you're ready. Okay, so I think it's probably Black Panther, Guardians, Avengers, uh, Iron Man. Uh, oh wait, hold on. After Avengers, Winter Soldier. You see, that one's hard to rank. Actually, I think that one's above Avengers for me. Sorry, I completely forgot about it. But so, so, <laughs> Winter Soldier above Avengers, then Iron Man, then I think basically just along with the rest of you, Thor higher than, uh, than Iron Man two and Iron Man three above Thor. I think that's everything, right? And then what about Cap one, Thor two, and Incredible Hulk? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Thor two. I... Thor two, so Incredible Hulk last. Thor two above it. <laughs> Uh, then Iron Man 2, and then I think Cap 1 is between Iron Man 3 and Thor. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So, does that work okay. out? That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's really, uh, yeah. Jerome? Um, mine is, yeah, pretty much that, except um, based on earlier rankings, I have Captain America ahead of Iron... Or, sorry, Thor ahead of Captain America. But yeah, um, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, minus Black Panther, it was my favorite movie to date, and it still holds up now. Uh... I think in some ways Winter Soldier might be a better film, but I just, in terms of like, this is my favorite film, I just really enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy way more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So I have Guardians of the Galaxy as second right now, just under Black Panther. That might change again, because I, I feel like there's still a bit of a recency bias to Black Panther that I mm-hmm. don't know how I feel about it down the road. Yep. But Anthony? We'll see. Yeah, still Black Panther number one, Winter Soldier 2, Avengers 3, and I'll slot Guardians of the Galaxy at number four. This is no offense to Guardians of the Galaxy at all. You're this wrong, is a great, <laughs> This is a great, great film. I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was funny. It had everything that you could want. It's just Avengers has a, has a special place in my heart because of the obvious team-up aspect. Um, I explained in our Winter Soldier episode that that was the best Marvel film that they had that they mm-hmm. have done um, to until obviously Black Panther, uh, what you call it, was up there for for number one. So Guardians four, but it's like eh, it could be up there. It could be a, a little further if you want to make. I it feel like the top four are we have are super heavy, and then the rest of it kind of gets muddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to read my whole rankings because I, I, I hadn't written them down before. And I kind of I think I might have made a change with where I put Iron Man 3, just like in my ch- change of heart. But Black Panther, mm-hmm. Cap 2, Guardians, Avengers, uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Cap 1, Thor, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, Incredible Hulk. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I I, uh, yeah, I think our rankings at the bottom are a little bit different because I have yeah. Iron Man 3 a lot lower than, than yeah, you guys do. I know. For uh, obvious reasons. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... I think that we all just, this is a great movie, um, and it's, it definitely, um, it definitely gave the MCU permission to do movies that, like, it made Ant-Man coming up seem a lot less silly, and, like, a movie called Doctor Strange, like, these movies I don't think would have happened, oh, I mean, they might have, but, like, if this movie didn't do well, I can't, I don't think the MCU, like, I think it's, like, I would say that this movie doing well might be the second most important one of doing well ex- uh, after Avengers. Because, like, I if this doesn't do well, like, they can't... Because right. the, they made the decision, okay, we're going to start doing movies about characters people don't know. And if that doesn't work, then I don't know where you go after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, and in fairness, I mean, the biggest gamble was making the first Iron Man, really. Correct. And decided that you're going to do a full MCU. Yes, correct. Yeah. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, so I want to thank uh, McKay for coming on to the podcast. Uh, McKay, where, you, on, McKay. where on the yes, internet thank you very much. can people find you? Okay, so on Twitter, uh, I'm at Apollo2Aries, and that's the number two. And then on YouTube, you can I, I make some video essays for uh, a YouTube channel called Stage One. Okay, check those out. Uh, Anthony, where can people find you? On Twitter, AC Spotlight 95 Obviously, this podcast, uh, Selfish, the Poetry Book, right now out. Also, check out my poem on CountTheDings.com. I know the network has launched. Uh, subscribe to that podcast yes, for those support, guys that do a great support job. Support the Count the Dings Patreon. Uh, we, yes. we, Anthony and Jerome, only know each other because of... Uh, that network and they uh they're great people and they deserve it's a beautiful uh, thing yeah they deserve to be independent uh jerome uh you can follow me on twitter at black dragon roll uh yeah that's basically it uh i was gonna say that uh yeah you can find one more why did i use my stock phrase of what i was gonna say there uh <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at the j christie i do another podcast called sorted history which is in some way shape or form related to the counted Ings network i really don't know how at this point but it is uh, just up. I'm um, making new episodes. Uh, and yeah, you can follow me there. Um, rate, review, subscribe to this pod, guys. We're going to be doing them pro- like once. I like I don't want to say twice a week, but like 1.7 times a week, I think is mathematically how much we need to do in order to get Infinity War. <laughs> so you guys get hype. Uh, so. Coming next is uh, Ant-Man. And so we will... No, actually, we oh, have Age Ultron, of Ultron, Ultron next. Sorry. I always forget that Ultron... We're at the end of Phase 2. It's so dumb. No, because Ant-Man's technically part of Phase 2. It's really dumb that Ant-Man's the last well, one in Phase 2. Well, that's right. Two. Like, I don't know oh, why... that's right. It, it should have ended with Ultron. Like, it, I'm, uh, it's, I'm not that steamed about it, but it's like... Okay. I, I and then so, Phase 3 is really long. Like, like you, get why, you get why I was confused, because you'd think, like, oh, it goes no, with all the no, single-character totally movies, fair. and then... Uh, but anyway, yeah, Age of Ultron's next. Uh, we'll be having a guest on that. We're excited about that. Uh, so yeah, I'll talk to you guys then. Um, and uh, bye. Later, Gators. See you guys.